You're listening to Adventure in the Ascent. Let's go higher. Why aren't we here? We're celebrating some baptism this morning, huh? Yes, that's what we're doing. And um, before we do that, I want to share with you, I think it's important that we understand why we baptize. What does it mean? What is the significance of it? But before we can do that, we have to actually first understand celebration. Now, if you've been here for a while, you understand that um, I've been harping on celebration for some time. I've just realized I'm not wearing a regular shirt that doesn't fit. I've been harping on celebration for a long time. But, um, you know, the story of celebration in the Bible is vast. There's always some type of celebration that's going on. And what did I tell you? Do you remember when Destiny sang last, or maybe it was the time before last when Destiny sang? What, what did I tell you guys? Besides, it was a great job. I said, celebrate, stand up, clap, make it a big deal. Do you remember that? When, when the kids get up here at the end of the month and they're doing their summary of what they've been learning in children's church, what do we do? We, we celebrate that. The, step, the, the, the fact that they would come out and boldly step up and begin to share and proclaim their faith, right? And we're going to do a little bit more of that this morning. But we are to be a people of celebration in the kingdom. That's what we're supposed to do. So what the really reason, the reason that's so important in the church, we have to champion the right kind of celebration. We have to be a fountain of it. We have to be a source of that. Because I don't believe I have to tell you this, but the world is also trying to champion and celebrate. Do you know this? The world is also doing that. So the world is looking forward to be able to celebrate, especially our children and us, in ways that the world likes to celebrate. That leads them down the wrong path. But what we have to do as the church is we have to make sure that we're ready to celebrate them and that our celebration is greater, louder, and bathed in the kingdom. And here's the key. What you celebrate, you usually get more of. Did you know that? What you celebrate, you generally get more of. And today we're going to celebrate. So throughout the scriptures, we see the beauty of celebration, the celebration of God, the celebration of what he's done, the celebration of what he's doing. We see banquets. We see wedding feasts. We see festivals. Psalm 145, 7 says they will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. Psalm 98, 4 says make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, all the earth. Bring forth into joyous song and sing praises. In fact, it's interesting. In Matthew 22, you guys ever spent some time in Matthew 22? Okay. Jesus is speaking and illustrating the kingdom. He's always giving us these tidbits, these parables. He's trying to give us a, a glimpse, a snippet, a little bird's eye view, a treasure into what the kingdom is like. He's like, if I was to fully try to reveal to you and explain to you what the kingdom is like. uh, Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. If I was to truly explain to you what the kingdom is like, it might blow your mind. But let me give you some tidbits. And in Psalm or in Matthew 22, what he's doing is Jesus again is illustrating the kingdom. And he says it like this. He says the kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who gave a wedding feast. What? The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who gave a wedding feast. So the thing about that story, if you know about it, many people don't show up for the banquet. Many people don't show up for the party. 
And what does the, the leader of the wedding feast do or the banquet? He says, go out into the highways, into the hedges and compel them to come. He begins to invite people that weren't even originally coming to the party to come and celebrate. So celebration is a big deal. In Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son. I just mentioned it earlier. When the prodigal son returned, he didn't just return back to the house, did he? He was actually met on the road by the expectant and celebratory father, wasn't he? He was sitting there waiting on him. And what did he say in verse 23 of Luke 15? He said, bring the fattened calf. Let us celebrate. There it is again. Let us celebrate. There just seems to be this incredibly beautiful picture throughout the scriptures of the heart of the father and the kingdom of God. And it just is all about celebration. And if you're a born again believer in Jesus, that's a key. There's keys in the kingdom. You understand that, right? One of the keys is celebration. We celebrate what he is doing. In that very same chapter, Luke 15 and verse 7, it says, I tell you the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. More celebration. It just keeps going. So what he's saying, there's this magnificent heavenly party that's being thrown when someone comes to faith in Jesus. How about that? That's good. And today we celebrate those that are going in the pool to be baptized. They've done just that. They've repented. And heaven has rejoiced. Now, I know many of y'all have been taught to be quiet in church. All right, let's do some reverse training. You ready? Okay. And that has kind of hurt you. And I'm not talking about being disrespectful and talking to your neighbor about what you're going to eat for supper. I'm talking about don't be quiet about what he has done. Don't be quiet about praise. Lift up your voice of praise, your voice of celebration. So here's what I'm asking you to do. And in my notes, I had, it says 10, but that's wrong because it's 11. Amen. 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 That's good. That's good. David's thinking about getting me baptized, I think. I don't know if you even brought that. I'm just kidding. I told Miss Vivian I might baptize her just because I wanted to. <laughs> but I love her so much. I do. She's being a good sport. So here's what I'm asking you to do. As each of those 10 come up out of the water, I want you to celebrate. I want you to celebrate. If you can do it for the bulldogs. Did I say it loud enough? Oh. If you can do it for the bulldogs, you most certainly can do it for God. You get to show your true allegiance today. I'm going to stay up here. It's getting dangerous down Security team all the way in the back. Thank you. All the way. One of y'all could be up here. But he's better. So make some noise. Clap. Shout. Did y'all, it's like a, you can make it like a Elbert County Comprehensive High School graduation. Anybody bring a cowbell and a foghorn and an air horn? You know when they say, please hold your applause till everybody, nobody listens. None of y'all have ever listened to that. I know that. I haven't you. Okay. You don't have to hold your applause today to the end. You can celebrate. You can stand to your feet. Why? Because it's a big deal. He's better. So, today we're going to celebrate the fact that these 11 are boldly, publicly declaring, I am with God through Jesus. They've decided to follow Jesus and Him alone. It's a mark of identification and we're going to celebrate it. Amen? Amen.
But what is it that we're celebrating this baptism? I'm going fast. Sometimes you ask people if they have a relationship with God. And you know what they say? Well, I was baptized. But that's not what I asked you. Scripture doesn't teach that baptism saves you. Okay. There's a story of a a drunk guy. Maybe y'all heard this. Okay. There was a. Hmm? Uh, No, not that specific drunk guy. There's a couple of them. This is a different one. This is a different guy. But, uh, there's a lot of them. Yes, that's it. So, I was telling everybody, this is my first time baptizing, or baptizing people in the actual baptism pool. How cool was that? Young Creek, River, Spring, Swimming Pool. And you know what? Thanks to y'all's awesome deacon, guess what? This water's warm. Above 40 degrees is nice. I like that. I didn't say how warm it was. But this drunk, he's walking around. He stumbled upon a baptism at a river. Okay? He just kind of stumbled around. He sees people going into the water. He says, well, I need to maybe partake in this. So he gets in the line. And he gets down there. The pastor, he gets down in the water. And the pastor asks him, he says, "Um, you, you want to find Jesus? And he said, yeah. So the pastor dunked him under the water. He came back up and said, did you find Jesus? He said, no. He dunked him again. Come back up. Did you find Jesus? No, I didn't find him. So he took a good, good grip on him. Held him down for about 30 seconds. Mark, that's about your time. Stop it. I'm not going to admit where somebody slipped me a 20 minutes. Just kidding. Kind of. But he, he held him under for about 30 seconds. He come back up and he said, did you find Jesus? And you know what the drunk guy said? Are you sure this is where he fell in? <laughs> but here's the thing. Baptism isn't where you find Jesus. Okay. Baptism isn't where you find Jesus. It's what you do once you found him. Okay. Once you've repented, once you walk in in true relationship with him, it's an outward public demonstration of an inward faith of what's going on on the inside of your life, what's already taken place. And so through the scriptures, I want to show you these three things quickly about why baptism and the beauty and the meaning of it. So number one, baptism, if you have a handout or if you have a bulletin, there's a handout on the inside that will reference all these scriptures that you can take with you, um, that you can draw on. No, I'm just kidding. Take with you throughout the rest of the week. We try to provide these sermon notes so that you have something to go back and study and look at throughout the rest of the week. But number one, baptism is about obedience. People's last words are important. People's last words are important. If you've ever been with someone that's that's dying, the last things that they say to you, you lock on to, don't you? It's usually not. We'll see you later. It's usually something deeper. Maybe they're passing on some wisdom. Maybe they're telling you how much they love you. Maybe they're telling you the code that they're saying. Who knows what's going on, right? But the last words of people are important. And what we have in Matthew 28, and I think we have this, Matthew 28, 19 and 20, here on the screen for you. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Have we reached the end of the age yet? No, so this thing's still going on, okay? All right, it's still active. 
And so one of the reasons that we get baptized after faith in Jesus is because it's a step of obedience. It's because he asked us to. The father asked us to. You see, obedience is a mark of a true follower in Christ. Okay, in Matthew 28, 20, it says this. Jesus said we should teach new believers to observe everything. Excuse me. I have commanded you observe everything I have commanded you. Baptism is an act of obedience, both for the individual and for the church. It's obedience for you as an individual, but it's obedience of us as a church to teach those things and to observe them. We baptize because we desire to obey Christ's commands. You see, when you come to faith in Christ. You are saying yes to him. That's the first yes. Okay? That's the first yes. When you're getting baptized, there's another yes. There's a yes to the obedience. And what you want to get in in the habit of being a true and faithful follower of Jesus, you want to get into the habit of saying yes to him. Saying yes to his word. Yes to his instruction. Because here's the thing. One yes leads to another yes. Leads to another yes. Leads to another yes. The opposite is also true. One no leads to another no, leads to another no, leads to another no. It's helpful if we get into the track of obedience. Say yes to him. So, choose you this day who you will serve. He said it this way in Deuteronomy chapter 30. I believe it's verse 19. He said, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. So he sets both of these before and then he leans in at the very end and he says, choose life. Choose life. This is the good way. You are saying again this morning, those of you that are being baptized, you're saying another yes. Okay? You're saying yes to obedience. Obedience to him. Obedience to his word. This, his word is a guide to us. Obedience is a characteristic of a follower of Christ. What does Matthew 7 say? Everyone who hears these words of mine puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on what? Sand? No. No. On the rock, right? The firm foundation. The rain came, streams froze, winds blew, beat against the house. Yet it did not fall. Why? Because it had its foundations on the rock. So we respond in obedience. And then we use his word to keep responding in obedience. Number two, baptism expresses and it shows union with Christ. Uh, Romans 6, 1 through 11. I believe uh, we'll have that up on the screen for you as well. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? In other words, the picture that he's given us right there is, how can a dead person do stuff? You ever seen just a corpse laying around doing stuff? No. He says you died. Your life is now hidden with Christ. Or do you not know that as many of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Newness of life. And I lost my place again. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, verse 5, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing that this, our old man, was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from it. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. Did I need to say that again? Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Here's the kicker. Verse 11. You ready? 
It's so good. Likewise, you also, I like this word, it's a southern word, reckon. Y'all say reckon. Reckon. (laughs) That was fun. (laughs) Reckon yourselves to be dead to sin. Well, I reckon I am. You got to reckon yourself. You got to reckon. Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in our Lord. Lord of our life, right? That's how it works. So our baptism is a witness to the saving work of Christ. His death, his burial, his resurrection, right? Baptism actually visually reenacts this event. You get that? It reenacts his burial in the grave, his resurrection to life. When we see a believer, a new believer, go into the water, and I'll be honest, some, some folks are going in the water for the first time. Some folks are going in the water for the second time. Because we have people on this list that have decided, I'm recommitting my life to Jesus, and I'm going to mark it right now by publicly declaring that. And I, I told everybody that's in here, don't be worried if it's your second or third time. I hold the record for five. So sometimes I just go buy a body of water. I like that water. Let's do it. So none of y'all have called up to me yet, so you're good. Okay, where was that before I distracted myself? When we see a new believer walk into the water, go into the water, and come up for the water, we're actually seeing what Jesus did to save us. Okay? That's a visual reenactment of that. All right? It shows we understand what he did, and we take place in it. Okay? What does verse 5 say? We have been united together. Maybe you were saved one evening alone. Maybe it was at a park. Maybe you were out in the woods. Maybe it was at an altar, and nobody really knew what took place. Um, you know, for me, it was, um, it was late after church one night. There wasn't that many people there. But baptism, what it does, even if that was in a quiet, isolated environment when you got saved, what, what baptism does is it makes it public. It makes it public. It makes a public profession of what may have taken place in private. And as you are baptized to say, today, you're saying, I believe him. I obey him. I have died to self, died to sin, and I am raised to new life in him. You see how it all revolves around him. You're demonstrating to everyone here, to the world, to those on live stream, to to everybody that may be watching. And most importantly, to the enemy and to the father that you are his. You're demonstrating to the Father, you are his, you are with him, you identify with Christ. Speaking of identity, when Jesus was baptized by John, you remember this story, right? Jesus is baptized by John. He's demonstrating for us what we are to do. He's demonstrating obedience, right? And it says, as he came up, the heavens opened, a dove descended, Holy Spirit. I like John's version because John's version says the Holy Spirit descended and remained. It stayed. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago that if a dove, one of the most skittish creatures in the world, lands on your shoulder, how are you going to respond and act to make sure that thing don't go away? You do everything with the dove in mind. Every step, every moment, every little thing you do it with a dove in mind. And that's the way our life is to be lived with the Holy Spirit in mind, guiding us through every situation. But the heavens open up and a voice from heaven says this. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased in whom I am well pleased. What was that? It was a mark of identity and it was a mark of affirmation. 
Isn't that incredible? And, and, and they needed it. Why? Because what happened right after this? There was some, there was some trials. There was some, some issues to come up, right? There was some temptations. And in baptism today, you were doing the same. You're identifying with him and the father is affirming you this morning. We as a congregation are affirming you this morning. So baptism also identifies that you are a new creation as the scripture teaches. Being a new creature in Christ is reflected even in the term baptism. So that Greek word there, baptizo, was used in the first century to actually explain dipping a cloth into dye, into a vat of dye. So let's say you have a white cloth and you want to baptizo it. What you would do, that worked easier than last week. Did you say that? <laughs> last week I couldn't get the tissue out. If you would baptizo that piece of cloth, you would dip it into the dye vats and it would come up a different color. That's how they would do that. So being a new create creature in Christ means that our lives have changed. It's looked different. As believers adopt a Christ-like character, the change becomes evident to those with whom they associate. So baptism symbolizes the change in the new follower of Christ. Number three, your baptism is a witness. There's a lot of folks here. Y'all look around. Some that we've never seen before. And, and we're glad. We're glad that every one of you are here to celebrate this with us. This is a, this is a big deal, okay? But do you see, those of you that are being baptized, I'm talking to you all right now. Do you see what, you're bapt- what, what, you're, what it's already doing? Do you see what I mean? Your baptism is a witness. It's drawn folks here today where it declares to them the beauty and the goodness of Jesus that you're following. In Joshua 4, they, they crossed the river, right? Joshua 4, Joshua's instructed at Gilgal to take these 12 stones, right? They crossed over the Jordan River. They're going into the promised land. He says, we're going to erect 12 stones. And these are called remembrance stones, okay? Remembrance stones are like a testimony for them. So that all the generations that would come after, they walk by those stones and they say, that's where he did it. That's where the Father rescued us. That's where the Father provided That's a testimony. And today, this, your baptism is a memorial stone. It points to him. It points others to him. It's a testimony, not just for today, but in years to come. And I would say to you today, if you don't know this Jesus that we're declaring faith in, that these 11 are declaring faith in, all I would do is quote Romans 2, 4 to you, where it says, it is the goodness of God. Or some versions say kindness. It is the goodness or the kindness of God that draws men to repentance. Amen. The father's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. And it's not just you get to get out of hell and get into heaven. Although that's a good benefit. But it's not just that. It's also to get heaven into you. And allow you to walk in newness of life right now. It's a right now salvation. So experience the love in the heart of the father today. So Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would draw people to you today. Lastly, I'm going to share you this, and then we're going to, you guys, get ready. I want to share this. So many times we say that baptism is a symbol. Tread lightly here. Or not. We say that baptism is a symbol. I just said that a few minutes ago, right? And it is a symbol. It is. It symbolizes what Jesus did for us. But in saying that it's just a symbol for so long, what we have done is killed some of the power of it. <clears throat> in our lives. We've doled it down, in other words, because it's not just a symbol. It's actually very powerful. You see, when you step out in obedience and you tell the world boldly, I am with Christ, you put hell on notice and you make a father in heaven very proud. 
And that sets up an environment. That sets up an environment of faith and miracles. It's, we're stirring the water as we get down in it, right? When you come up, you're really going to stir it just a little bit. So we're literally stirring the water today. But what this does is actually it also stirs the water in your life, so to speak. So we are believing that as you go in today, there's something that you've been struggling with. Some of those other issues that are still there. Here's what we're believing today. They're dying today. Amen? That they're being buried. Come up free in Jesus' name. Bury that thing. That's the picture we just saw in Romans 6. And come up in, what's it say? Uh, Raised to life. Raised to life and newness of life. Does that work for you? Come up in newness of life. So we baptize, we celebrate.